Lisboa, Bruxelas, Varsóvia. Europe is us with Dino. Europe is us, but who are we? Stay with us and you'll find out. I'm Dino, a Slovenian journalist working at Euronet Plus, a radio network bringing you this podcast. Today's topic, precarious work. Today's guest, Johan Schanzenbacher, a hairdresser from France who has a few years of experience with precarious work. Johan, tell us more about yourself. So uh, my name is, uh, I'm Johan, I'm uh, 30 years old and uh, I'm coming from France. Um, in uh, the north northeast uh, next to luxembourg and um so um, i'm a hairdresser and um i began working uh, when i was uh, 16 years old and um that's it <laughs> almost and um i had uh, once a precarious experience uh, when i was uh, uh, 20 years old It was uh, in Luxembourg, so... So let's explain precarious work. The EU is trying to solve this problem, present in different shapes in different countries, and in July 2017, the European Parliament adopted a resolution on working conditions and precarious employment. The resolution defined precarious employment as employment which does not comply with EU, international and national standards and laws, and or does not provide sufficient resources for a decent life or adequate social protection. Definitions, of course, are not enough. We need to hear the stories behind this type of work to better understand it and find the right solutions. Johan, you've experienced the conditions of precarious work during your student years. How did that look like? Uh, yes, I was uh, still um, at school, but uh, I had a contract with um, a hairdressing salon. So uh, I was uh, 16 and I was, uh, was working. I was uh, half at school, half at the salon. And... Um, So uh, I continued like this uh, for six years uh, until uh, for my uh, four, four years, sorry, sorry, until I was 20. And when I was 20 years old, I began working as a, my education was over, the education was over. Uh, my first full-time job, uh, it's, it was the precarious one, in fact. It was the precarious one. Um, I, uh, when I was working, uh, I mean, um, still, um, And I was uh, still at school. It wasn't that precarious. It was a bit complicated, but not this much. It's really the first job I had where, I mean, uh, it was uh, really, really complicated. It was uh, much hours for uh, almost uh, no salary, at least not uh, something I should, I deserve, I think, or nobody should uh, deserve so. It was uh, also precarious from uh, psychologically, if, I, if you know what I mean, because it was um, it was uh, a complicated person I was working with. So I had uh, like uh, I was gone fifty uh, hours fifty uh, hours a week, and I was only paid uh, paid one uh, euros a month like uh, 1,200 euros a month. And uh, I had no bonus. I had no um, ticket for eating between uh, between lunch and things like this. And um, it, I was always feeling like uh, made littler and littler by the person who was my boss. 
Thanks, Yuan. In our next regular section, The Watchdog's Perspective, we look at different topics from the perspective of a journalist. Let's jump from my hometown Ljubljana in Slovenia to France again. Today's comment was sent to us by Thomas Rocher, a journalist at French EU Radio, a member of the Euronet Plus network. Precarious work is a major concern amongst French youth. According to the Centre d'Observation de la Société, which is a French survey institute, precarious work mostly hits young people. Half of precarious workers in France are aged 15 to 29, and most of them are in this situation because they have no diploma. However, we can see a growing number of young graduates who also are in this situation. And as far as I'm concerned, I am also part of these uh, young people who have a precarious job. However, thanks to social services from the French government, I can still manage living decently. But I'm quite shocked, probably like the rest of my generation, that studies are no more a key to social upgrading and financial security. I I studied in a highly selective journalism school and I really struggled finding my first job. That is not only the case in journalism studies, but I have plenty examples of other young people who found themselves unemployed after their studies or got a job by default or which had nothing to do with their qualifications. So I think that even in France, we can say that studies are no more a guarantee to find a job. We are not going far away from Thomas. Let's stay in France with Johan. We like to present our guests to our young audience from different perspectives in order to get to know you personally as well. Please share with us, what is your favorite memory? I'm thinking about uh, (laughs) some first kisses. (laughs) And what is your worst fear? If I open the hairdressing salon and it fails because uh, I uh, maybe uh, people won't like uh, my aesthetic. What is your biggest wish, Johan? Oh, to um, have my own uh, hairdressing salon. Actually, that's it. <laughs> the dream is uh, to open my own hairdressing salon to, uh, to show uh, everybody what I do and who I am. Thank you, Johan. Tell us, what was the main reason you chose to work at the uncomfortable workplace where you've actually been working precariously for three years? Was it the money or the experience as well? Uh, it was uh, I wanted the experience and uh, the money I could have had better, but uh, I was young and um, it uh, it gained my uh, my trust in myself. You know, I was thinking if I'm not good here, I would be not good uh, in another salon. So I stay here and I try to. But uh, after three years, I figured out uh, I wasn't the problem. You know. So precarious work also affected you mentally. Just to remind our audience, we covered the mental health topic in our fourth episode. Our guest was Kaya Gwomp from the Institute of Applied Psychology at the Jagiellonian University in Krakow, Poland. You mentioned that your boss was aggressive. In which ways? Yes, um, it was a very uh, self-centered person. Um, I mean, uh, she should have uh, made a clone of herself to be happy, you know. Because, uh, as I told you, um, I could be 10 minutes late because, uh, well, the train uh, was a bit late or things like this. It was the end of the world, you know. But uh, in the end, I was coming just uh, to make two shampoo. (laughs) I didn't uh, almost cut uh, hair or things like this. And uh, every time um, 
she asked me for uh, what do you think to do this to do that i was like yeah we could do this no your id is shit sorry she she told me things like this and uh, but in a way um you don't uh yeah it's not in my head it wasn't her fault it was always my fault my fault my fault so you try uh, you try to go on to go on but uh, in the end the, the the boss wasn't she was never satisfied and um i um i uh, ended up um I, I was uh i was coming to my job but in in the end i wasn't really there and uh, it took me uh, three years to to realize that i couldn't do anything that would uh, make my boss happy that would make her pay me more because she always told me things like yeah if you work hard uh, you do a lot of clients and you'll have a, a bit uh, more money on your wage but uh, i was like yeah okay how much should i do oh no you can't know that well if you give me bonus on a monthly basis i have to know where i'm going how much do i have to make things like this it was very like um, yeah it was very uh, hard psychologically and uh, yeah so it took me three years to figure it out and uh, thinking I, i can stay here thank you very much yuan in our next regular section the voice of gen z we present different voices from all over europe This time we are going to have a listen to Andrei Aleksandrov, a lawyer from Bulgaria. From a professional point of view, I would say that when a person does not have enough experience, it is good to inquire and consult. There is a lot of information and it is easy to find information. Read carefully what is being signed, the contracts that are being offered, and do not agree, if possible, to the proposed type of contract. Insurance on a minimum wage with a real income significantly higher. And in general, any other attempts to manipulate and circumvent the rules of labor and social security legislation манипулиране и за заобикаляне на правилата на трудовото и на отговорителното законодателство. From Bulgaria back to France and Johan. How long did it take you Johan to build back your self-esteem after such an experience? Yeah, it's been very hard because um well um when I was uh, there I had um I had a drugs problem because of my self-esteem and uh, so um the when i ended uh, working in luxembourg it took me approximately uh, six months where i got back to my parents home to um, to feel better to and also to raise my self esteem yes because uh, i had to see a, a psychiatrist to help me uh, i stopped doing drugs too because it wasn't helping and uh, then i found uh, yes seven months uh, after I found a job uh, in uh, in France near near my uh, my home and uh, there I, I knew uh, uh, I could be someone you know so it took like uh, two or three years of hard work uh, in hairdressing and hard work on myself then to be the the, the person I am today but um, it's always like uh, I needed you need help you need help you need help from a psychiatrist or, or, or friends or or anything or 
even uh, antidepressants, things like things like this. But uh, the experience I had in Luxembourg, yeah, it really, really destroyed my destroyed me. Yeah. Thank you, Johan, and thanks everybody for your attention. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and listen to what we have to say because Europe is us. Lisboa, Brussels, Varsavia.